So how are things in Puerto Rico? You know, we got the National Guard down here. For I saw them this morning kind of walking around and driving around in the neighborhoods, all camouflaged up, kind of policing everyone um, to make sure we're all wearing masks. You know, the, the island obviously has a very compromised healthcare system, and so can't afford too much trouble. Uh, I would say that the Puerto Rican people from the very beginning kind of religiously followed these sorts of distancing and masks and all that sort of jazz because just people know you you know there's not that many hospitals on the island and they're not that big so you end up in trouble you're really in trouble um it's been so just this week now they've decided to close the beaches down again which is kind of asinine because they closed the beaches which is driving people but they didn't close pools so you're taking people that's what it's about to say what are they thinking yeah, so you now you've taken a bunch of people from wide open, you know, beaches I don't view as particularly dangerous, and then they're jamming them all around pools. So it's it's really the unintended consequences of moronic government action. Um, we've got curfews now, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Um, you know, unfortunately for the locals, I mean, this island, you know, it's in the Caribbean, so it's tourism, right? And so it lives yeah. on typically north american tourism coming down here and um i've noticed during covid <clears throat> you know puerto rico is not cheap so for anyone that's not been to puerto rico it's actually more expensive than most places in the mainland just because we've got high import taxes here we've got like a jones act which kind of makes it so puerto ricans can't get goods from anywhere other than u.s flag ships and then on top of that you know it's an island so there's a lot of things that go on here um so it's not cheap and there are some of the most beautiful resorts in the world down here, but given, you know, COVID flights to Puerto Rico have been super cheap. Like you can get a round trip flight from New York to Puerto Rico now for like a hundred bucks. So it's bringing tourists down, but it's bringing kind of not necessarily the type of tour, just because everything's so cheap now, it's bringing like, I don't know, lazy bums who are collecting their government checks and would otherwise be playing video games are now down here in Puerto Rico drinking great problems. So um, it's a different class of tourists than we're used to down here. You know, I was back in Europe in September and I'm back here at PR and my plan was supposed to be, you know, I was supposed to be in London here in, in November, but of course that's not happening now. With So I'm basically back down here in lockdown. So I don't foresee any, I, I don't think Quite frankly, I think all of the transactions, we have nine transactions to get done between today and 1231. And I, I think at this point, all of them will be done virtually. I don't think there's gonna be any more face-to-face -face meetings. We're trying to, you know, before I got on this call with you guys this morning, we're trying to figure out how do we even have employee meetings in this sort of environment when a lot of states have restrictions as to, you know, you can't have five or more not, you know, non-related people in the same room at the same time. So. It's all going virtual and it's becoming very complicated. I think you guys will start to find out in January. So we're not allowed to announce transactions. So the transactions that we have done starting October 1st in the fourth quarter, we've been kind of on blackout. So what the big publicly traded acquirers want is they want that stuff announced in 2021 as opposed to 2020. So everyone's kind of under gag orders. Um, there's been a lot of transactions closing in October, November, and then in December will be kind of like the transaction supernova. There's just going to be hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of deals that get done probably one, two, 
five, six PCP top 100 companies that will go down for the count at the end of the year. I have noticed that there is a real increase um, here in the fourth quarter of folks getting ready. I think this whole Biden win spooked some folks for a variety of reasons. Um, but just the uncertainty with COVID and fiscal policy and monetary policy, I, I think 2021, at least the first half, will be crazy busy on the MA side. Multiples, you know, Joe, I know you're going to ask this, so I'll preempt your question. You know, Thank you. We, 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 you know, we took a nosedive, obviously, in, in the beginning of COVID, but then things are really kind of right back to where they used to be. Service Master or now Terminex will be quiet for the remainder of 2020. I think once Brett gets his arms around the business, I think that they'll start to kind of ramp up what they do in 2021. Rent and anti CMX have, have been kind of very aggressive and continuing to grow. Anti CMX will go public next year, most likely. So they've engaged investment banks and they'll probably file for initial public offering. My guess is either immediately pro prior to the Swedish holidays in July or immediately after. But I think they're targeting the first half of the year IPO. For the New York Stock, for US, right? I had originally suspected that they would try to take that business public in the United States, but I think it'll be on the Stockholm Stock Exchange. I think that's where they would do it. So is Terminex now that they left service mass, left whatever the right word is, mm -hmm. are, are they still publicly traded Terminex? Yeah, so Terminex's ticker changed, well, changed from serve, S-E-R-V, to T-M-X, Terminex. So they sold off their brand's business with franchise operations. And so now they're just pure play Terminex. So they trade under the T-M-X ticker. New CEO started September 15th and kind of just getting up to speed. And, um, you know, the jury's out as to how things will go over there. But if you look at the equity markets, their stock continues to increase from you know, earlier this year, it was at 25 bucks a share. Last I looked, it was in the 40s. They're going to be interesting to watch with all of the stuff that they've been in news for lately. That's not the first time that's happened. Yeah, but years ago, it was the same deal, something with the termites. But I think that the major thing for them was that in their contracts, it was always you could go to, you had to go to arbitration. And now mm -hmm. the judge said, no more arbitration, you're going in front of a jury and that that i remember when that happened the stock price dipped a little bit and then all of a sudden service master and terminix cut ties and there's a lot of speculation as to that being the reason why and they just lost something crazy like a 60 millions of arkansas or alabama i don't remember exactly where so it's i think the industry is watching them but hearing about all of those top 100 companies being sold as always is music to my ears mm-hmm because that means there's going to be some fall off right into my lap. Because this happens, we lost a big account dollar wise, but not um, profit wise, mm -hmm. to Orkin, mm -hmm. um, and they are unbelievably shitting the bed right now with service. And 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 everybody in the industry knows that, including Orkin, that they can't do, they can't provide the same level of service or customer service that our smaller companies, even the ten million dollar companies, compared to them can. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. The larger companies are losing accounts with COVID. We picked up quite a few, which is good. So we picked up, I don't know how much, 120, if not more, hours a week worth of work. Mm -hmm. 
and we picked up 44 hours a week worth of work and it's only about an $8,000 profit difference. So it's just, we learned a good lesson from that. We learned no longer dropping our pants to get those big accounts because 50,000 in profit off of a million or 50,000 in profit off half a million, which one do you want to do? It's going to be interesting 2021 for sure. Everybody thinks that the world is going to change January 1st. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for this year to be over. Why? You don't know what's going to happen next year. Yeah. Do what you got and move on. Well, you know, Joe, like you were saying about, you know, giving better service, the smaller businesses, better service and like working, for example. One of the things that's interesting that I noticed over the years is, <clears throat> You know, you take a company like Orkin or Runakill or Terminix or any of these big guys, you end up having, you know, those are firms, they've got like 10,000 employees and they've got a ton of managers, right? So what I have noticed over the years is that there's a wide disparity of treatment quality or service quality at an Orkin, for example, based on what region you were in and based on what manager's there. I mean, it really made me think about how important leadership and management is at the local level. Because you can compare, I mean, you know, Orkin's definitely got some branches around the world that are blow your socks off, world class, almost impossible to compete with. And then they've got some others with their total shit shows. So it really comes down to who the management on the ground there, I think. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the the, the Orkin franchise, the Orkin office, you know, this location thinks they're buying Orkin, which they are, but they're really only getting that office of yep. 18 people. So it's still, they have all the bells and whistles that by the way, most of these large institutions don't use. Yep. They get sold on it. And then what they really need is the quality of service. And I just, I can't, cause there's a good chance of us getting it back because they're getting phone calls at, you know, eight o'clock at night and Orkin's not responding until 10 o'clock the next day. And where we were, you know, we had a two hour response time and less than four hours boots on the ground. So they got used to that and now they're not getting it. So they saved $20,000 allegedly, but they're losing on it. That well, is- I think, you know, sometimes you're better off letting the, those price conscious customers that want, you know, I want a hundred percent of the quality for half the price. Well, I can't do that. You know, go and be somebody else's problem. And they're like, but where so-and-so? And And I'm like, I'm Joe Sheehan. The other thing, just going back to residential, the thing that there's no residential versus commercial. Commercial, you do a lot of free residential work. Mm -hmm. The property manager or the VP of this or or the guy for that that says, hey, no, I I do want to pay for this. Send me a bill. But he has no intention of paying it. It just has to be an invoice that he can see. With the residential market, you lose all of that. You don't need sports tickets mm-hmm. for them. You don't need nothing. You don't need anything. You don't even need to take that residential customer out for a drink. Yep. So th- there's there's other savings that you realize. So that that's always been an intriguing part. But the hardest part was always wrapping your head around a residential. I don't necessarily personally have the head to do residential pest control and to deal with Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm going to hire for it and put my money, you most likely the PPP money that we haven't spent, mm-hmm. and just use that to gear up for the residential, if I have to. I mean, we have a good enough amount of reserves. Thankfully, I've been pretty small with money, but um, just hire. I don't know. We spoke to a Tommy Mello, who you I introduced you to, I think. 
Oh yeah, Tommy, good dude. Yep. Yeah, he um, he just gave me a lot of uh, just speaking with him is always good and learning things. But he was like, hire for your weaknesses. You know that you as long as you identify your weaknesses, then hire somebody that's strong, man. So that would be to play with the residential market, to hire somebody that knows it, to not, to do our best not to switch techs in between residential versus commercial for obvious yep. reasons. Yep. Um, so it, it's an exciting time. And it's the end of the year. So it's funny, though, because that large company took up a lot of time in our office just because, you know, the bigger they are, the more they need. So we've had a lot of time to go in and revamp our processes and look at them. So it's been a good end of the year. Speaking of end of the year, though, what do you see top leaders in pest control doing to close 2020? You mean, what are they spending their time on now? Yeah, I mean, usually this time of year, everybody's already looking at March 2021. Yep, that's a great question. Two months ago, everyone was starting to feel really good about things, but now that we have the quote-unquote second wave now, I think folks are really starting to get concerned. And, and, and I hear these things. So in, in the due diligence meetings that I've, I'm in pretty much every day, they ask these, so the acquirers ask these sort of questions to guys like you and some of these big kind of PCT top 100 companies. So what are we, what, what are we doing now in regard to planning for 2021? And overwhelmingly, I hear things like there's typically this time of year, we would be getting to order all the trucks, we're gearing up our HR systems to start to hire in January, February, and March to get ready for the season we are gonna go into 2021 leaner than we have in any other year historically, because at least from a manpower perspective, right? Because we don't know what, no one knows what the hell's gonna happen. So I think that's one thing. The other thing that I've heard is there's been a lot of confusion, and I don't have any answers to this, by the way. It's a lot of confusion amongst business owners. You know, it's the end of the year and you would typically drop a lot of coin, right? You'd say, hey, I don't want to pay all this tax. So I'm going to buy these vehicles and this equipment. I'm going to get all these write-offs or whatnot. Now I think people are saying, well, is, is that a smart idea? Because what happens if shit hits the fan in February or March or, you know, we get a real weak start to the season and I wish I would have had that cash and are there going to be other PPP loans to cap? To, so... That's a lot of uncertainty. You know, on the, the bigger companies, Joe, they, they, the ones that are particularly commercial heavy, I think a lot of the concerns people have is, you know, you've got the shutdowns that stop immediate business, right? The restaurant shuts, doesn't have customers, doesn't need you guys to come in or a hotel or whatever. So you have that kind of immediate type issue. But then you have the follow-on impact of that, which, you know, you talk to the, uh, senior leaders at the publicly traded companies, some of the things they think about is how much credit do we want to extend? Um, and number two, how much do we want to invest in specific kind of commercial operations? Because we don't know if they're going to be around six months from now. It, you know, bankruptcies are always kind of delayed, right? You, you get a major problem and then the bankruptcies don't come from six, 12, 18 months later. So if you look at the financial press, you'll start to see an increase in, in bankruptcies. And so what happens then? Um, so I, I think it's it's a really difficult year for people to plan for 2021. And um, 
I, I think people are, are focused on how do I grow this business by remaining as lean as possible from a capital expenditure spend as well as a labor spend. That's kind of it in a nutshell. No, I, I mean, I agree with the leaner. We're still going to do some of the typical end of the year practices. Just yeah. because we look at it as certain things we're always going to need, right? We're going to need chemical. Yep. The quantity is another story. Will we go as heavy as years past? And then the PPE. That's been something. I mean, we're way overstocked in PPE, but being that we're only allowed to buy a certain amount a month, yep. we're maxing it out every month because I also know that's something that we're always going to use, gloves. We're always yep. going to use nitro gloves, so we're just buying it. And if at some point my director of operations says, hey, we have enough gloves for a year and this pandemic is over, yep. we have a year of not spending on that, if, yep. if that's the case. But other things, like even with the masks, we still have masks, ninety N95 masks that we bought in April because of the things that we learned over time. Going into 2021 and the spend is going to be interesting. The other thing, too, is whether or not the PPP money ends up becoming profit. You know, people got to save money for that because you're, with my PPP loan, if it ends up becoming profit, it would end up adding an extra almost $100,000 to what I would have to pay in taxes. And right. to try and figure that out in November. So the plan is to just, I'll do it in 2021 and then at least I'll have hopefully a whole year to figure out probably not a year. They probably won't figure it out till June, but at least I'll have time to see what my real tax commitment's going to be. That's going to create a ton of bankruptcies too. Cause think about, I was fortunate in the sense that I didn't have to rely on PPP, but think about the businesses in New York city that paid people, got people, yeah. paid people had no income. And now you're going to turn that million dollar PPP or $500,000 PPP into profit for them. They spent that money. Where are they? Their profits were a joke if they had any profit. How the hell are they going to come up with the money to pay it back to the government? There'll be a lot of tax cases with lawyers. Lawyers are going to do well with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, that whole PPP thing is complicated. And it's further complicated, the M&A market, because, you know, we, we've had acquirers when we're doing stock deals. Um, I mean, I, I suffered through this all this week. This was a painful week thus far because there's all this changing regulation. So if you take a, it, let's say that you guys are selling your business and you're doing a stock deal and you took that PPP loan. So I'm Renekill or Anti-CMX or Orkin, whatever, it doesn't matter which one. And let's say that I got, you know, for bigger companies, they had these furlough credits. They somehow got a tax credit for furloughs, whatnot. So if I'm one of these guys and I come in and I buy your business and I do a stock deal, well, here's a problem now. I, I am effectively party to the PPP loan because I bought your stock and those tax credits and I can't because it's against the law for me to do both. And so now just yesterday, there was emergency guidance that these big companies can do that if buy one of these companies in a stock deal and had a PPP. But up until yesterday, we didn't even know if that was gonna be possible to do this year. So, these PPP loans have really created dramatic issues for sellers. Also, like, you know, you apply to get your PPP loan um, forgiven. It's supposed to take place in 90 days. But what happens if you're in the process of selling a business? It's not forgiven yet. What do you do? Do you put that money into escrow? How does that work? Who handles it? So that's been very, it, you know, it's a government boondoggle all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for sure.
but um, how, I got a question for you guys. I mean, how do you guys, as New Yorkers, I mean, how do you deal with? How do you wake up in the morning and 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 be okay with writing state, local, and federal government? Literally, half of your take home goes to the government. I mean, how do you how do you get up in the morning and deal with that? I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. <laughs> it's um. It's something that we've been talking about for a while. And with the businesses in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, there's a good possibility that I will end up living somewhere in between New York and Virginia. Well, the, the reality is like things are becoming so progressive now that the productive class in society is putting more and more of the bill for everything. And at some point, you know, you see the producers run through the hills that's what ends up happening the guys that are actually making stuff will leave um it's happened throughout history look at italy for example and ireland and all these countries that had just very difficult government regimes they leave so um i, I feel like that's beginning to really accelerate in the united states particularly in in kind of the socialist states that you guys live in right new york california Socialist, right well, the funny thing is is that we preach about by local by local but you almost can't. And I'm sure that this leads into the big boxes, buying up the little guys. And then because they can afford to do it for whatever reason, they can operate and give something for less for all the reasons we know when you're a bigger business. But I do my best to shop locally, but at some point to pay 20% more to support a local business that's going to sell to the Amazons or whoever is a struggle. And then also trying to operate and buying locally I mean, we struggle with this with manufacturers. We have a local manufa uh, local distributor that we'd love to do business with, but on average, they're 15% more. We can't raise our prices, so we have to do our best. But speaking of New York State, what's the best place, in your opinion, to open a pest control business? Coming up next time on Colony Confidential. I always giggle when folks talk about Americans being, you know, U.S. being the land of the free, you know, that propaganda continues to work, um, at least in the United States. But I think if you go outside of the United States and you look back, you start to feel bad for Americans because they don't have nearly as much financial freedom as they believe they do, especially in juxtaposition to a lot of other people around the world.